I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Therapy has the promise of radically changing the landscape for rare disease patients without therapeutic options today. Abiona Therapeutics, which is building a pipeline of gene therapies, is not timid in its targets, which include the progressive neurodegenerative disorders, San Filippo syndrome types A and B, as well as Batten disease. We spoke to Tim Miller, CEO of Abiona, about gene therapy, the company's pipeline, and the challenges of delivering these therapies to where they're needed within the body. Tim, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure, Danny. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on board. We're going to talk about gene therapy, the work Abiona Therapeutics is doing, and some of your clinical stage candidates. I thought for listeners who are not well-versed in gene therapy that perhaps we could start with gene therapy itself. What is it? What are the types of diseases it holds the greatest promises for? Sure. So gene gene therapy is a means to try and replace or or edit uh, the misfunctioning gene that many kids and many people are born with. These are you know, errors of inborn metabolism. That, for example, the inability to break down sugars is that is certainly one. Um, and gene therapy is a, a means to go in and to replace that with a functioning copy of the DNA. We've long been at a point where gene therapy seems like it's just on the horizon, but we did have the first gene therapy approved in, in the Western world uh, a few years ago, and, and we see a growing pipeline of therapies in the clinic. Where are we in terms of making this a reality? I guess it's a great question. So, you know, Gene therapy, it really comes at a time now where we're moving from palliative care for many of these patients to something that's certainly more inclined to treat the underlying causes of the disease rather than the symptoms. And the past you know, 10, 15 years has seen gene therapy really be uh, you know, incubating. And uh, in the academic realm, these technologies really improving. Gene therapy is all about delivery. You need to be able to get the right, correct functioning copy of a gene to the right target tissue at the right time, uh, delivered in an appropriate manner. And these types of delivery methods vary from intravenous injection to intramuscular injection, even, you know, drilling or directly accessing the central nervous system. And the delivery vehicles, these, uh, these genetically modified viruses, have been um, genetically engineered to remove the, the bad genes that were in the viruses to correctly get, make them a, a delivery vehicle. And so you can use these, these viruses to deliver this correct functioning happening to multiple targets, multiple uh, tissues within the body. You're working to address a number of lysosomal storage disorders, notably juvenile Batten disease and San Filippo syndrome, or MPS3A and MPS3B. What's notable about these is that, unlike some other lysosomal storage disorders, these both involve damage and degeneration to the central nervous system. First, maybe you can explain what a lysosomal storage disorder is. Sure, a lysosomal storage disease. So the, the lysosome is really the garbage factory of the cell. And it's uh, meant to be a recycling center where sugars are broken down and 
provided to the rest of the cell for energy metabolism and, and building material. And in a lysosomal storage disease, it's, uh, it's kind of like an episode of hoarders where the lysosomes have been uh, filled with these sugars because the kids have this inability to break a specific type of sugar down. And the class of lysosomal storage diseases, there are over 70 of them, uh, have, again, these uh, inability to break down these sugars inside of the lysosome. So gene therapies are going in to try and replace the, the DNA so that the kids will have a correct functioning enzyme and are able to break down the sugars. Enzyme replacement therapy has been used to treat some of the lysosomal storage diseases, and there are experimental enzyme replacement therapies that are now being delivered to the brain for a, a form of Batten disease and for MPS3B. But what's the compelling case for using gene therapy in, in these instances? You know, the, the challenge with a lot of um, you know, the enzyme replacement therapies is that they don't necessarily cross the blood-brain barrier. So for many of the lysosomal storage diseases where you know, having a, a CNS manifestation or a central nervous system manifestation, that these often present with the kids with profound learning deficits, um, and again, many of these diseases are mortal at a, at a very early age. So you know, the enzyme replacement therapy seeks to try and replace the actual enzyme, but it, again, it's a, almost a, from a palliative type of care. Um, the enzyme replacement therapies need to are abbreviated as ERTs. These need to be given um, every other week, so the kids need to go into the hospital and have forks put into their brains, for example, or um, you know, injected into their bodies every two weeks, which is certainly, you know, costs more to the hospital, costs more to the patients, and it's like an additional burden on them. You know, in addition, the, the enzyme replacement therapies you know, have a challenge that they don't get to all the tissues. So gene therapy comes in and provides um, instead of uh, going in every other week for the rest of a patient's life, these present the opportunity to come in and receive a one-time injection or set of injections uh, to deliver the correct functioning copy to the gene to the cells um, and, and allow the cells to completely be corrected, uh, which means that you know, they can get a one-time therapy that will last essentially for years. So it removes the burden of um, going back and forth to the hospital, removes the risk of having uh, so, you know, work put in, for example, the brain. And, um, uh, you know, these have, you know, so far, uh, with early stages in many different companies and academic centers been starting to demonstrate clinical success. Well, and we, probably, you know, just one other thing to point out there is that many of the therapies are able to access a lot more of the organs that, the, that are needed to be corrected um, for these therapies. You mentioned the issue of the blood-brain barrier earlier. What do we know about the ability of the viral vectors you're using to cross the blood-brain barrier? The, in gene therapy, uh, the genetically engineered viruses, they're, they're really like a box of crayons. And, you know, you take out which color crayon or which, which virus you want for a particular type of disease. So, for example, for muscular dystrophy, uh, you know, the companies working in that space may use you know, the number one version or the number five version or the number two version. Uh, the companies that are working on uh, liver disease may you know, be using the number eight version. We're using a version that um, is the only version that's able to cross the blood-brain barrier. And so we deliver it by uh, a systemic uh, injection so that it can both target the central nervous system as well as all of the organs in the body. Uh, Abiona's approach is to really try and target whole body manifestations of the disease so that 
you know, with one injection, you know, we're able to, to try to correct you know, the entire body rather than just you know, for just certain organs in the body. Well, let's talk about some of the experimental therapies in, in your pipeline. The uh, lead therapy is the gene therapy for San Filippo syndrome type A. What is that, and how does the disease manifest itself? What therapeutic options exist, and what's the prognosis for patients with the disease today? So patients with San Filippo syndrome type A or NPSVA are often diagnosed between the ages of two and six. Um, and they are usually diagnosed due to some form of developmental delay. Uh, the kids often, you know, have a uh, slowed down uh, learning curve and uh, peak, sometimes between the ages of, you know, four and eight, um, where they spend the rest of their life really regressing. And 70% of the kids don't reach the HCT. Uh, they present with, again, developmental deficits, um, often have muscular problems, digestive problems, simple heart deficits, vision changes. Uh, they, you know, eventually have developed from epilepsy. A lot of people refer to this also as a form of childhood Alzheimer's. Um, so the, the prognosis, of course, with somebody not reaching the AGC is not very good. There are no FDA-approved therapies um, for this type of, for example, ecosystem type A, and many of the enzyme replacement therapies for this particular disease have actually been discontinued due to lack of efficacy at uh, ameliorating some of the symptoms of the disease. Avionis therapy is, a, is an AV-mediated delivery that's given uh, one-time treatment. Uh, it's injected intravenously. Uh, preclinically, we've been able to demonstrate that a single injection in mouse models of the disease were able to completely normalize the survival deficits, uh, cognitive function, and muscular behavior um, with our partners uh, at Nationwide Children's Hospital where this work was originally done. And now that we are uh, in clinical trials now, we've announced this year that we have completed enrollment of the low-dose cohort, where we are already beginning to see changes in some of the underlying pathology of the disease from being able to look at biomarkers, such as uh, reduction in the sugars that we were talking about in the, in the urine and in the cerebral spinal fluid, and, and you know, changes in the actual organ structure, like the liver and spleen. This is important because in the liver and spleen, many of these kids have um, uh, big changes. They're very, very, they have very enlarged spleens and livers. So being able to stabilize that or even reduce some of, um, you know, that enlargement, you know, is you know, being potentially modifying some of the disease effects. How about juvenile Batten's disease? What is that? How does the disease manifest itself? What therapeutic options exist? And, and what's the prognosis for patients with the disease today? Juvenile Batten disease is another lysosomal storage disease. Uh, these children often present um, initially with uh, vision changes and uh, almost unilaterally end up going blind due to changes in the, uh, the undergoing uh, disease manifestations of their eyes. Uh, they have a very similar course as uh, NPSCA or NPSCB, where they end up having uh, cognitive deficit, some muscular problems as well, um, intestinal issues. Uh, there are, again, there are no approved therapies for this either. You know, and really when you look at the field of orphan drugs and rare disease, there are over 7,000 rare diseases and 95% of them do not have an FDA-approved drug or, or even one in development. So, you know, a lot of these um, diseases that we're working on, there are, there are no for free. You recently reported preclinical data for the therapy. What, what do we know about it today? 
Well, we know that um, it's a, a very similar therapy for our MCS uh, 3A program. It's an intravenous delivery of the same type of virus. Uh, the only difference is that we're, we're changing the gene. So again, in MPS3, they have one particular enzyme that's missing for, um, for juvenile bat disease. It's a, it's a different protein. So we're using the same delivery strategy, intravenous, using the same virus, um, which carries a different payload. And, uh, you know, the preclinical researcher, Tammy Killian, uh, Tammy Killian out of University of Nebraska, recently had her paper, um, accepted and published in the scientific journal demonstrating very similar results that we saw um, out of the nationwide children's group, uh, which was a correction of uh, neuromuscular function, um, correction of, of cognition, and, and certainly a reduction of neural inflammation. Avion is also in the clinic with a gene therapy for recessive dystrophic epidermolosis bullosa. Can, can you explain this condition and, and what causes it? You know, many of the diseases that we are, are trying to develop therapies for you know, would be classified as, you know, truly, you know, horrifying diseases. Kids, you know, all suffer, their families suffer. Epidermolysis bullosa is certainly one that, that stands out. It's, it's also known as butterfly skin syndrome. Uh, and the challenges that these children have is they're missing a, a protein that really holds their skin onto their bodies. You think of it as Velcro that attaches the skin to the underlying tissue. And so the simple bumping of their, of uh, their elbow or forearm or leg on the desk, for example, as they're walking by, which will cause a huge blister um, and then a wound, and everything has a hard time healing. And these families, uh, you know, these kids and the adolescents have uh, chronic wounds that don't heal. Uh, they spend, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in bandages over their lifetime. Um, that's a, another early mortality disease. Uh, and so we're developing uh, a particular type of gene therapy where we take cells from the, the patient because it has a small biopsy and grow up a whole bunch of their skin cells. And then we use a virus to correct their cells. So again, to correctly deliver a functioning copy of the DNA. And then we throw these into sheets, uh, like a, a graph uh, and graph them over the wound. And so far, and recently been presented at the Society of Dermatology and uh, will be published very, very soon, uh, the, the clinicians and researchers at Stanford University demonstrated that over a one-year period, uh, significant wound closure, as well as uh, continued expression, or that the, the, the gene therapy had, had worked. So again, uh, another potentially you know, life-altering, life-changing uh, therapy for people with epidermolysis below them. When you look at the, the challenges for gene therapy, are, are they primarily issues of delivery? Well, yeah. So the the challenges historically have been delivery. Therapy is all about delivery. You know, being able to deliver the you know the correct function stuff to the right the right target tissue. So again, the the state of the art right now has been that therapy has advanced and been able to um, you know in selective with different viruses deliver the, the correct copy. You talked about your, your box of crayons earlier. Uh, how, how difficult is it selecting the right vector for a particular therapy? Well, you know, again, the, the state of the art, that's why many of uh, the past three or four years have seen really a, a blossom of gene therapy companies. And many of them have, have carved out, you know, their own niche areas. Some groups focus on the eye, some focus on um, blood disorders, some focus on uh, central nervous system or metabolic, and some are, you know, um, involved in, in general muscular dystrophy. Yeah. So, you know, the, what is more known about these gene therapies is that uh, 
the box of crayons, so to speak, you can go and, and determine if you have a particular uh, disease, what might be the best virus for your, for your to be able to be developed for your disease. Given the small markets you're targeting and the expected cost of these therapies, how do gene therapy companies develop a, a viable business model? Well, um, you know, what Aviona is trying to do there is we have a pipeline of products that are all very similar. So we're able to leverage, you know, our, our preclinical studies, our manufacturing program. So, you know, really, and all of the expertise that goes in around manufacturing some of those particular viruses. Uh, there's a lot of similarities, so they overlap. So, you know, from our perspective, um, you know, with a very broad pipeline for lysosomal storage disorders, for example, um, you know, we're able to take that pipeline and develop those products. Tim Miller, CEO of Abiona Therapeutics. Tim, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks so much, Dan. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.